0: Welcome back to the x everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, coming to you from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the x Broadcast Network and the Talk Star Radio Network. My email address is xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, on MSN Messenger, X-Zone Radio, tv at hotmail.com, and our website, www.xzoneradiotv.com. My guest this hour is Stephen Myers. He is an author, lecturer, and independent researcher. Stephen has studied the Great uh, Pyramid for over 20 years to understand how this ancient wonder of the world was built and why. His research included traveling to Egypt to conduct extensive on-site research at the Giza Plateau. Stephen Myers has written numerous magazine articles and given many lectures on the subject of the Great Pyramid. Compiling his research into the book called Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid, Stephen has provided a comprehensive and detailed explanation of how the Great Pyramid was built. Now, he contends that advanced technologies were used to build the Great Pyramid. Stephen also founded a nonprofit foundation dedicated in understanding how and why the Great Pyramid was built. The mission of this foundation is to redevelop these ancient but advanced technologies to help our modern but troubled world. The foundation's website is at www.thepump.com dot o r g. Joining me now from southwestern Oregon is Stephen Myers, and Stephen, welcome back to the exxon It's been six years—six long years. How have you been?
2: I've uh, been great. Thank you for the opportunity to be back on your show again,
0: uh, Stephen. Uh, over the last uh, six years, um, has there been a lot of research done into the Great Pyramid, and have you made any startling discoveries?
2: Well, uh, in this. This last period of time since I've been on your show before, we've established a nonprofit foundation here in the United States uh-huh. uh, located in, in Oregon, and it's dedicated to understanding how the Great Pyramid was built and why. And uh, that uh, foundation has uh, conducted quite a bit of research, which has been compiled and put into my book, Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid.
0: Now, Stephen, how did a gentleman from southwestern Oregon get interested in the Great Pyramid of Egypt?
2: Well, I've always had a highly technical background. Uh, I got that from my father. He was one of those fellows that could fix anything, could could just about do anything, and I that, a little bit of that rubbed off onto me. Uh, my degree is related to fluid mechanics, and... Uh, I have a, uh, here in the United States, the federal communications first-class radio license. Uh, And even for fun, uh, some of my hobbies are quite technical, uh, amateur radio operator, and uh, a few other things. But anyway, uh, I I really enjoy technology and also period-authentic technology from different uh, time periods, you know, ancient, uh, like Middle Ages and that type of thing. Uh, So I have a love of history. And a love of technology, and if a person has both of those interests, pretty soon their uh, focus will focus towards the Great Pyramid, the uh, essentially the first skyscraper ever built by man. So uh, that's that's how I got interested in the Great Pyramid.
0: As a researcher into the Great Pyramid, what was it like actually being there and being able to study the Great Pyramid firsthand?
2: Oh my. Oh I, recommend it, I recommend it for anybody if they get a chance to go to Egypt. Uh, we sent a research team there a few years ago to do some on-site uh, research. It's, it's awe-inspiring. Uh, it uh, transcends whatever you're going to read in a book to stand next to a mm-hmm. stone that's so massive, it's incomprehensible really to, to, see, to, to figure out how it was moved uh, by conventional means. And, and just to be there and to see something that, that humans, just like us, uh, were able to accomplish, it, it uh, it's awe-inspiring.
0: Stephen, please stand by. You and I have to take a two-minute commercial break. We'll be back shortly. Stephen Myers is my special guest this hour. XO Nation, he is the author of Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. His website is www.thepump.org. That's www.thepump.org. T-H E P U M P dot O-R-G. Stephen Myers and I will be back on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as the Exone continues live from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't go away, Exonation. We'll be back in two minutes.
2: This is Dr.
0: Did you know the internet streams just about everything? Movies, from new releases to old classics. TV shows, almost every show, every episode, and much more. But the question has always been, how do you do it? Well now, thanks to the folks at 123 Ready TV, I have the answer for you. They have developed a simple program app, 123 Ready TV, that you install on your Windows PC, Android smartphone, or Android tablet that can have you streaming like a pro in less than five minutes. You truly won't believe how much is available or how easy it is to do until you try. And for a one-time cost of only $19.99, this product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.x. And welcome back. Uh, Stephen Myers is my special guest this hour. His website is www.thepump.org. That's T-H-E-P-U-M-P dot O-R-G. He's the author of Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. And uh, Stephen, I, I guess one of the most common questions you get asked is, how was the Great Pyramid built?
2: Okay, the normal idea is that Egypt- Egyptologists say that there was a big ramp. Mm-hmm. But uh, our, our theory is quite a bit different. We feel that uh, what was used was water and water locks, like the uh, Erie Canal right. or the Panama Canal has water locks. Mm-hmm. And stones on mm-hmm. barges from the Nile were brought up a series of water locks right to the building site. But this this is the key part. We feel that the Great Pyramid was built level by level. So imagine the first level of the Great Pyramid. uh, The casing stones, the outside stones, are set in place, and those stones are very precise and cemented together uh, so they're watertight. So that makes like like a big pond if it's filled with water. Mm -hmm. And also we feel, based on a lot of research, that there was a water lock uh, from, uh, that, that would allow barges to go from uh, the Nile all the way up into that pond. So uh, stones on barges were able to be easily moved with uh, water locks all the way into this, this pond impounded by the first level of casing stones. Then the interior stones were set in place from the barges and then the first level of of the Great Pyramid was completed. And that process was continued by adding another water lock up to the second level, uh, putting in the, the second level of casing stones around the outside, filling that up to be a pond, and then filling up the interior with interior stones. So it was done very systematically with essentially water locks, are a 21st century uh, technology of choice. In uh, the Panama Canal, they're building new water locks that are bigger. It's, it's uh, a modern technology that we feel was used in ancient times.
0: Is there any evidence to substantiate
2: your theory? Oh, certainly uh the water the casing stones that are uh still there, there's only a few left, about one percent of the casing stones. Mm-hmm. Those stones are still cemented together and are watertight and uh you know, after four thousand years. So uh that's evidence that uh that's, let me put it this way, that's evidence. It's there. Those stones are still watertight. Mm-hmm. Some would say Oh, that's to keep the pesky Egyptian rain out outside. You know, it's like a watertight roof over a building. Right. But uh, but that's that's an interpretation of the evidence. Our interpretation of the direct physical evidence on the Giza Plateau is that that was built to keep water in. So that's that's one form of evidence. Another another piece of evidence is uh, Petrie, uh, who uh, was the uh, the grandfather of Egyptology or whatever, Flanders Mm -hmm. Petrie, uh, he felt that the Great Pyramid was built level by level. And that he also felt, there's references to this in my book, that uh, each level, the the casing stones were put in first. So uh, he has a whole bunch of evidences for that. The current uh, thought in Egyptology is that it was built similar to how we see it now, and then a sheathing of these precision-cut casing stones were put on the outside. But based on Petrie's work uh, and his evidence, it is, uh, supports our sequence of construction that, that we feel happened when the Great Pyramid was built. Where so that's the, just some uh, of the evidences.
0: Now, now, where did this unusual theory come from?
2: Okay, uh most ideas like the idea of the wheel and other things, you don't know where they came from, but, but this idea actually came from one man. Uh he was a um independent researcher, um a savant, actually, uh just a, a, a visionary, a brilliant man mm-hmm. in that he uh his name was Edward Kunkel. He lived in Ohio. Uh did much of his research about the Great Pyramid, and, and he felt that uh, the Great Pyramid was built as infrastructure for the civilization that built it, and he felt that the purpose of the Great Pyramid was uh, that it was a water pump, believe it or not. And uh, that water pump supplied the water for these series of ponds as the construction uh, progressed upwards towards the sky, and supplied the water for the water locks, for the stone-ton barges, and that—that's where this theory came from. Our uh, foundation is named after his book. His book was uh, called Pharaoh's Pump, mm-hmm. and we're the Pharaoh's Pump Foundation to honor him, and and his research. His book was last published, and he published it privately, with a very uh, small distribution, kind of rare book. Uh, was in uh, the early 1980s, and he died in the mid-1980s. So there's been a lot of research uh, built on the foundation of his research from uh, from that time until now. If anyone gets a chance to read that book, uh, I would certainly recommend it, uh, Edward Kunkel's book. Stephen, and why... That's, that's why, where this theory came from. Why is there still so
0: much mystery and controversy over the the true building of the pyramid and its, and its actual use?
2: Okay, that's, that's a very easy question. Uh, the, the reason is, and this is very important, the reason is mm-hmm. that Egyptologists, and virtually everybody else, but mainly Egyptologists, have developed the theory. Uh, it's a, Egyptology is a science that has developed a theory, but uh, they have never demonstrated any of their theory. Uh, it's, it's amazing. There's, they have never uh, made a casing stone. Egyptology has been like a science, mm-hmm. if you want to call them a science, okay. for 200 years. They've, they've never made a casing stone. Isn't that interesting? They say that working people did it using hand tools, but it's never been demonstrated they say that there was a ramp. They've never moved a a casing stone, which is about 16 tons. Mm -hmm. They've never moved a casing stone up a ramp. Uh, The largest stones are about 70 tons. Egyptologists have never moved a 70-ton stone or payload, like a locomotive. Mm -hmm. They've never moved one one inch. And uh, so they've offered all of these ideas, but... uh, essentially a hypothesis, but without any demonstration to substantiate it. And that's why there's whirling co- controversy about how the Great Pyramid was built, why it was built. Uh, I, I would submit to your audience that, if, uh, that the way they say those things were done uh, cannot be done, physically cannot be done, in fact, our foundation has a $50,000 scholarship, a research scholarship that we're offering uh, to, uh, to help somebody demonstrate the making of five casing stones and then uh, moving those stones. The details are at our website, but uh, if you can make those stones in the same way that Egyptologists say, any book in any library will tell you how it's how done. Mm-hmm. If you can do that, you get $50,000. Egyptologists say one stone every two minutes removed. That's 10 minutes work. If you have the whole complement of workers.
0: All right, so but, so, uh, so if I understand you so correctly. That's, that's the point. Okay, so if I understand you correctly, yes. Stephen,
2: the, yes.
0: the pyramid was built using a series of removable locks raising barges up to the different levels. And that yes. the and that the main purpose of the pyramid wasn't a tomb for the kings or the pharaohs, it was a water pump.
2: Yes. How that's, what, what that's was, what uh, our was contention. the contention?
0: All right, now how did the pump work?
2: Okay, the way the pump worked is not uh, obviously evident in modern times, or else everyone would understand it. Mm-hmm. We believe that uh, that. The civilization that built the, tech, the the technology to make the Great Pyramid and to operate it used uh, technology that was different than ours, and it, and uh, they used the same laws of physics, but that they understood things that we don't understand. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough.
0: Now okay. were, the, were these uh, were these builders from this planet or another planet?
2: Okay, that's uh, who. And that's not that's beyond the focus of our research. Our our concern is mainly uh, how it was built mm-hmm. and why. Okay, and yeah. the reason why we don't get into who is because everyone starts talking about him hotet or certain pharaohs and and all of that and gets into religious applications and all that. We're we're more interested in how the stones were moved from point A to B, than the purpose of the structure. The structure doesn't. Its interior is very complex and doesn't seem to be a tomb. That's why Egyptologists have come up with an idea that there was ch- several changes of plans in mid-construction because it doesn't fit their theory anyway. It doesn't. It doesn't look like a tomb. But we we feel that the complexity of the interior with a whole number of chambers uh, is. Uh, the, the reason for that is to be a water pump. It's, it's more of a machine mm-hmm. than a place to house a dead body.
0: All right, stand and, by, Stephen. And, you and I have to take a commercial break with the news. We'll be right back. Okay. ExoNation, Stephen Myers is our special guest, www.thepump.org. He's the author of Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. Stephen and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news as the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Exxon Broadcast Network and the Talkstar Radio Network. Don't go away. We'll be back after the news. This product is a real winner. To learn more about 123 Ready TV, visit our website at www.xzbn.net. Welcome back, everyone. Stephen Myers is our special guest. He's the author of Lost, Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. That's Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. And his website is www.thepump.org. Stephen, have you heard from uh, any of the well-known Egyptologists or hobbyists about your theory? And if so, what do they say about it?
2: Uh, There's actually quite a following for this direction of research. Uh, I'm even surprised myself... Uh, it's, uh, it's a phenomenon, really. There's a lot of interest in, in, uh, in what we're doing. Uh, people that are interested in environmental issues because uh, we feel that uh, this pump is environmentally friendly, the, w- the way it operates. Um, we, uh, there are people who want to uh, have an alternative to oil that are very interested in our research. It's, it's an energy system, if you will, because pumped water you can use both for irrigation but also to generate electricity. So people that are interested in alternative energy systems that are new and emerging, this isn't new, it will be a redevelopment of a very ancient technology. And There's also people that are interested in uh, our nation's self-sufficiency, that we don't need foreign oil, and also there's people that... uh, that want this want the development of this type of technology um, because uh, they feel that uh, oil, our primary source of energy, is a destabilizing, you know, uh, factor in mm-hmm. the world. So if we can if we can develop these alternatives, uh, but but yes, there's there's a lot of interest in it. What our foundation is trying to do is a very big goal. We're trying to uh, understand the genius that is behind the construction of the Great Pyramid and understand technologies that aren't familiar uh, to uh, even scientists of today. All, all sciences are just scratching the surface, and we, we think that the ancient, ancient mankind understood things that we didn't, and we're trying to understand that technology, redevelop it, and uh, make it available for our modern but very troubled world.
0: Tell me, Stephen, uh, tell me about the people who actually cr- built the, the pyramid and this great pump. Where did they get the, the, the knowledge?
2: Oh, gee. Uh, well, they, they were probably, a, I, I don't know who built the great pyramid, but they were probably a c- civilization that had among them some uh, geniuses like the development of alternating current, a rather sophisticated concept, was developed in one afternoon by Nikola Tesla. Mm -hmm. So probably I would assume that uh, there were some geniuses that that developed some very uh, sophisticated uh, techniques to use the water and to, to pump the water. Uh, I know in the Middle East, there's examples of some some rather high technologies like the Baghdad Battery. You've probably had shows that have uh, mentioned that. Uh, There are some artifacts that were uh, uh, uncovered in the Middle East that were electroplated, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. That's rather sophisticated. But uh, this water pumping technology is, is, uh, to me, it seems like a, a level... You know a quantum leap even from those things uh in sophistication and technology and and we've done we've done a lot of experimentation uh we've uh, had uh, some numerous uh, newspaper articles here in the area about what we're doing uh we've we have some uh, uh, components sub assemblies and that type of thing that we're working on mm-hmm. uh you know, that's, that's actually our, our most important aspect, our most important uh, thing that we're doing in our mission statement of our foundation, but it's also the most uh, cost-intensive, if you will, to build a robust um, prototype. So that's what we're doing.
0: What about the other pyramids? around the world and in Egypt, were these also built using the same water technique as you've described in the Great Pyramid?
2: Okay, that's a good question. Now, uh, the, all the pyramids, like in, in the Valley of the Nile, they're all built with different uh, levels of precision, different sizes. Mm-hmm. The angles of the sides are different. You know, some some are pretty steep, some aren't. Uh, Some were built uh, from mud brick. Some were uh, built from limestone. And uh, so it's it's hard to say. I would say that none of the other pyramids uh, were uh, water pumps. Uh, Some have suggested that the Great Pyramid is the most precise but also the oldest and that the other pyramids are uh, facsimiles that are used by a later civilization that uh, use them for their own purposes, uh, similar to a concept called a cargo cult, uh, where uh, a high civilization uh, has, artif- has like devices and things, and, and the, the natives or whatever mm-hmm. uh, kind of worship those things, or they make, they make uh, idols and whatever based on that stuff. It, it's, it's an interesting uh, subject, cargo cults, you can look it up on the Internet. Uh, but that, that's one explanation for, for all, all the pyramids. Certainly some were used f- uh, for religious purposes or for something else, but uh, that doesn't mean that, uh, that they were all. Th- let's say all, all but the Great Pyramid, the, the pyramids could have been tombs. But if that's true then uh, the Egyptologists would be 99% correct about the pyramids in general, but 100% wrong about the Great Pyramids in uh, specifically it.
0: How about the fact that the pyramid is so geographically correct, it is also astronomically correct? Was this just fluke? Uh,
2: there's, there's, there's a, we all, all researchers have the same direct physical evidence, okay? And uh, they all come up with ideas and theories from that. And those ideas are interpretations of evidence. There's are certainly uh, interpretations about a lot of the features of the Great Pyramids. One example is that the shafts point up to stars. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I'm sure you've had shows about that. Yes, we Star have. Star alignments of the, of the shafts. Yep. Well, uh, anything that points up uh, has to point to a star. There's no way that it can't. So they, and also with the precession of the equinoxes, mm-hmm. there is you know you can you can have a shaft over the centuries point to several different stars. So you can you can develop, believe it or not, theories about all of this massive amount of data about the Great Pyramid as well as Massive amounts of interpretation, but what our foundation is trying to do is to start with a clean slate and say, big heavy objects were moved from point A to point B. How was that done? And we're we're trying to understand just those that how it was done, and also why it was done. And uh, tr- we're we're going to try not to get into a bunch of uh, religious interpretations, you know, with the scripture or uh, or any of that, or star charts or Bible prophecy or all of the mutually exclusive ideas. But we're going to try to understand how it was built, understand that technology, redevelop it into, into uh, modern applications, mm-hmm. and hopefully be able to help help the world through doing this that's our goal
0: why did the Egyptians require a pump of that size like that must have put out a lot of water
2: yes uh actually the largest structure in North America United States and Canada the largest structure ever built Mm -hmm. was the Grand Coulee Dam I've been there also yes uh it's about about 11 times the size of the Great Pyramid and uh, it's, it's awesome. In fact, the, the slope of the face of the Grand Coulee Dam reminds me of what the, what the face of, of the Great Pyramid would look like, smooth. Uh, but anyway, it is a water pump. It makes a lot of electricity, mm-hmm. the Grand Coulee Dam. But it also uh, pumps water up to, I, I think, a million acres. I don't know how many hectares that would be, but uh, it you know it irrigates like a million acres in perpetuity in uh, that area of wash in washington state uh, and and it turns the desert into a garden in fact there uh, there's several dams behind the Grand Coulee dam that back water up clear into Canada and Canada stores that water and then trades that for electricity so it's it's a uh it's a monumental uh project, the Grand Coulee Dam. All right, I I
0: understand that, but But the question, let's get back, let's, wait a sec here, let's get back to my original questions. Why would the Egyptians require a pump of this magnitude? They didn't have electricity.
2: Certainly not. But uh, they could use the electricity, or excuse me, they could use the pumped water for a whole host of, of applications that are uh, examples of high technology. With, uh, with water, with pumped water, you can make uh, compressed air. At ragged chutes in Canada, there's a hydraulic air compressor. It's just a, an underground chamber mm-hmm. that's oddly shaped. Water goes in one end and, it, and without a piston or cylinder, it compresses air. And there's a lot of excavations around the Great Pyramid, and some feel that uh, one of those could have been used to make compressed air.
0: So, are, with, so com- is, it, com- is it your contention that the Egyptians had air-compressed tools?
2: My contention is that whoever built the Great Pyramid could have used the pumped water for any number of scientific or industrial purposes. They could have powered large machinery. Uh, there's, a, there's another researcher, you probably had him on, uh, Christopher Dunn.
1: Had him on who, many uh, times, yeah.
2: Contends, yeah, he contends that uh, there was some large-scale machinery used in uh, ancient Egypt by somebody. But anyway, uh, I contend that the water from the Great Pyramid water pump could have been used to power that type of machinery. And there's a lot of scientific things uh, that you can do with uh, pumped water besides run machinery, uh, besides make compressed air, uh, g- possibly generate electricity, and even do things that we can't imagine. So there is a lot of purposes besides just irrigating above the floodplain. Uh, the largest structure in Africa is the the Aswan Dam, the yeah. High Aswan Dam, and it. Is the uh, capstone of a large irrigation project that allows Egypt to irrigate above the floodplain. So uh, modern Egyptians use a use a big water pump. Ancient Egyptians used a big water pump,
0: but certainly how come, they
2: operate differently.
0: But how come in Bib in the Bible there is no mention okay. of the Great pyramid being used as a water pump, and why would the Bible and other historical references make you know, point to the fact that it was the slaves that built the pyramid? And to my knowledge, nowhere, in, <laughs> nowhere, you know, to my knowledge, nowhere, anywhere is there a mention of this lock procedure except the theory that you're presenting.
2: Oh, certainly. Okay, uh, we contend that possibly uh, the Great Pyramid was built before the last catastrophe and that the civilization that built it um, was destroyed. And one of the few things left was the Great Pyramid. There's a lot of people that, that a lot of researchers feel the Great Pyramid is older mm-hmm. than, uh, than uh, the ancient Egyptians. And uh, it's fascinating that some of the oral traditions... And a myth about the Great Pyramid is that the stones were floated in place. And uh, that uh, that idea could be uh, from a remnant mm-hmm. of, of understanding how the Great Pyramid was really built. All
0: right, stand by, Stephen. You it's and I have to take a commercial break. We'll be back shortly. Stephen Myers is our guest. He's the author of Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid, dot You ready for this? ThePump.org. That's www.ThePump.org. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The Exxon. Still to come on tonight's show, we're going to be speaking to Juanita Rose Violini about her very interesting book. It's a weird book about weird things that happen during a weird almanac. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break. Don't go away. Stephen Myers is our guest this hour. His book is entitled Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid, and his website is www.thepump.org. First of all, Stephen, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight here on the EXO, and it's been great talking to you. I admire your research and the reason why you're doing it. Hats off to you. Uh what do the Egyptologists in Egypt say about your theory?
2: Okay, the Egyptologists around the world, they won't even, uh, they won't even say anything about it. It's a wall of silence. Hmm. Uh, they don't say anything about uh, their lack of demonstrations either. Right. So uh, Egyptology is kind of at a precipice where they're either going to have to uh, engage in the scientific method or change uh, what Egyptology is. Uh, So my book talks a lot about that. Uh, Also, the website has some pictures uh, about the construction process and more information. So uh, those pictures say a thousand words, maybe better than I can say in this interview. But I I sure appreciate being involved in your show. What what a wonderful opportunity you've given me.
0: Well, it's our great pleasure, Steve. Uh, Steve, what are your plans for the future?
2: Uh, we're going to, uh, since the book is out now, we're going to develop a uh, documentary. Probably uh, do that in-house, and it's going to be uh, probably YouTube quality, if you will. But we're going to use that to pitch a deal to the networks to make like an hour-long documentary with much better animations and that type of thing. So that's that's a project in the works. And we're going to do a, a possibly another trip back to Egypt, if we can uh, work that out. Uh, continue work on the research mm-hmm. of how the Great Pyramid was uh, built and why, and uh, do things like uh, programs like yours to help get the word out. So there's a lot going on, and if pu- somebody wants to become involved, uh, just uh, send us an email or uh, fax, or even on our website we have a phone number you can call.
0: Now, can they send so, you the? Can they send you an email to your uh, to your e- email address at the pump? Yes. All yeah. right, so that's yeah. steve at the pump dot that's, yes. and the right. na- that's, that's
2: my personal email address. Steve, I want to thank
0: you so much for joining us here on the X-Zone tonight. Congratulations. Continue the great work and uh, keep us in mind if you come up with any new evidence. Love to hear from you again.
2: Oh, thank you very much.
0: x Nation, Steve Myers is the gentleman we're talking to this hour. He's the author of Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. The website is www.thepump.org. That's www.thepump.org. In the next hour, I'll be speaking to Juanita Rose Violini. We're going to be talking to her about her book. It's uh, the new compendium of the paranormal. And we're going to be talking to her about The Almanac of the Infamous, the Incredible, and the Ignored. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away, Exxon Nation. We'll be back on the other side of this commercial break.